Welcome everybody to another one in our series of podcasts on the subject of financial well-being. Uh, my name's David Lloyd. I'm a writer, actor, broadcaster. Polymath. Polymath, indeed. And 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 you've just heard the voice of Chris Budd. Chris, tell us about yourself. Oh, well, I've had a nice weekend. Yeah, so yeah. have I. I went to Courtney Pine last oh, night. What a guy. Brilliant gig at the Colston mm. Hall. He's so good. Mm. We had a French exchange student over, huh? which was very interesting. 13-year-old girl, and she was very sweet, very lovely. And uh, lots of fits of giggles, playing telestrations. Because you brought her to cricket training the other night. That's right. What did she make of cricket? <laughs> Incroyable! What is this game? She didn't really get it. I think it's fair to say she didn't really understand it. Yeah, she was very sweet. Very interesting exercise. Brilliant. And we're here in Chris's beautifully appointed suburban house. And then sitting on the other sofa is our producer, Ian. So, um, right. So we're here to talk about financial well-being, not necessarily about French girls and their inability to understand cricket. So, uh, Chris, what are we going to chat about today? Well, I thought, first of all, we'd have a look at a few of the tweets that we've had to our at Finwellbeing Twitter account. I put out the question to people, what's your relationship to money? And we've had a few answers. Yeah, we had some good responses to this one, actually. We had one from at JDL Consultants. Most of my money ends up being spent on the children. Sigh. Still, they make me happy. Well, is, what better way of using your money can there possibly be? I mean, that's financial well-being in a nutshell, isn't it, really? Um, I did actually go back to them and just say, you know, is that a good use of your money? And they went, it's the best use of our money. So. I would agree 100%. And another one here, I'm going to ask you about this one, actually. It's from Annie Shaw, who's on Twitter, at Cash Questions. Annie says, I like finding things. I'm an inveterate womble. I have a pair of gloves I found in a pub car park and a Jasper Conran scarf I found in the car park of the Travelodge at Manchester Airport. I have a lovely John Lewis coffee mug I found in a lay-by near Marazian in Cornwall and another one I picked out of a skip in the street. Even my husband was married before. Mind you, I draw the line at knickers. So, <laughs> very entertaining from Annie. My question about that is clearly finding stuff makes her happy, but how does that relate to money? Well... It either means that money means nothing to her because she finds stuff and that's what makes her happy because she finds nice things, or money means everything and she's really tight. Uh, <laughs> I think probably it's the former. Um, money maybe is irrelevant to her in some ways. Maybe that's her point. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I th it's, it's interesting that, that, that she chooses to answer a question about money by not talking about money, mm. but clearly talking about finding things that normally you would go out and buy. So it's almost as if she's saying... I, I'm, I'm not interested in money because I don't need it necessarily to make me happy in yeah. order to get the things that I want. But did you notice she made sure she said it was a Jasper Conrad scarf? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, another one I've had here from Do You Punctuate, at Do You Punctuate, don't have a name to go with it. Um, their attitude to money, we have a love-hate relationship. I never feel in control. That's a good phrase, actually. Mm. That's one of the phrases in the five areas of financial well-being, because we are here to talk about the book a little bit, the Financial Well-Being book. One of the five key areas is being in control of your finances. So that resonates. I think that's quite a typical uh, response. How important is control, do you think? I know we talk in general terms about, oh, he's a control freak and that person like, likes to have it. But how important is it that you think that you have control over money? I think that's absolutely key because it's it's not so much being in control of money, it's the feeling of being out of control. So if you feel that you're going overdrawn every week, um, every month when payday comes, the pay is just getting you back just about into the black, you know, that's not a very nice feeling. I'm, I've been there, I'm sure you have, student days, what, what have you. 
Uh, and so being out of control is a really negative impact on financial well-being, no question. Yeah, no, that resonates with me. Although, actually, I was probably better off as a student than I have been at subsequent times of having, you know, a job, a mortgage and a child to look after. But, yeah, but yeah certainly. They that... were the days of grants, though, weren't they? I got a That's grant right. as a student. Do you know, there was a... <laughs> That's about this for financial well-being. There was a guy... Uh, I don't know if this story is true, but I like to think it was. A guy, um, first day of term got his grant and he went out and bought a computer and in those days nobody had computers at home you know we're talking 1989 kind of time he took his entire grant and went out and bought a computer with the whole grant and then lived on baked beans for the rest of his term and contracted the first case of scurvy known in the northwest for <laughs> 100 years <laughs> But all the geeky girls loved him because he had a computer. Yeah, exactly. He had <laughs> He could have got onto an email, but there was nobody else to email. Yeah. It's like having the only fax machine. No, I was very well off because I got the full grant at uni as well, but I was a mature student, so I was like 23 when I went to university. So David, you have never been mature. That's true. <laughs> I was as mature as I've ever been when I was 23. <laughs> uh, so I got the full grant automatically. Moving on, next one, Sharon Tanton at SJ Tanton. Her response... It's complicated, isn't it, she says. Money has been a source of great stress at times, but has also made fantastic things happen. Mm. Yeah, so the idea that you can't be happy by being rich, I think, isn't true. George Michael had a great comment on this. He said, um, getting rich doesn't solve your problems, it just gives you different problems. Mm. That's very true. I mean, I've had periods of being quite relatively poor. I've had periods of being relatively wealthy I can't equate happiness with either of those no, periods really but I certainly know that if I've been feeling a bit down and I've got the money to go and say have a nice holiday exactly then that will cheer me up yeah and, and I couldn't have had that holiday if I didn't have the money absolutely so having a bit more money does make us a bit more happier but there comes a point in time where that stops where you know if you've got 50 billion another billion probably isn't going to make you any happier is it well in fact the next tweet from joanne wilkinson at 100 underscore joanne sums that up perfectly because she says money isn't everything but it offers up choices that you might not otherwise have there you go perfect and having choices financial options is another of the five key uh, strands to financial well-being. It's almost as if we know what we're talking about. It's amazing. About. Astonishing. Uh, <laughs> one more I'll just put in now. Um, Rohan Sivajotti, at postcard Rohan, spending £4 on six-a-side football is the best value for money I get. Fitness, sport, competition and camaraderie. Love it. Brilliant. So that's a great way of spending money. So as you can see, we're getting a quite a lot of input from people um, at Finn Wellbeing. So please go on there, have a look at that. And we'd love to have uh, your responses on anything to do with anything that we cover in these uh, podcasts. So we've had a lot of input from other people on Twitter. Um, what's this all about today then, Chris? What are we, what are we discussing? What's the theme of our chat today in as much as we have one? Well, this idea of, uh, of our relationship to money. What is our relationship to money? How does money make us happy? And it comes down to a core principle of know thyself, um, which, believe it or not, I do a little bit of research for this podcast. <laughs> know thyself is, comes from uh, Greek philosophy. Is that right? It does. Um, it meant it was a way of saying to people, don't worry about what the masses think. Don't worry about what the public think. You stick to your guns. Um, you do what you think is right. So the principle of, and it was used a lot in their, in their plays, etc. So the idea of know thyself is quite simple in financial terms. What do you like doing? Use your money to do more of that. 
And interestingly, I think that principle applies itself across the board as well. well. We'll come back to talking about money in a minute, which is the main purpose of the podcast. But certainly from my perspective as a, a writer for television, um, a lot of the stories that I come up with are actually very personal stories, stories about me, stories about people that I know, stories about experiences that I've had, things that I fundamentally understand myself. If I start to try and second guess what I think other people might want me to write about, yeah, I can do that. But they're not necessarily always as good as when I'm writing about me and my passions and things that have made me happy or indeed made me sad. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, the, one of the hardest things as a writer to do is to figure out what other people, how other people would react to something that you're passionate about. Mm. That's the fun of writing, isn't it? That's mm. what I enjoy about it. So if we're looking at money as a way of making us happy, it was touched on by uh, one of the tweets we had earlier about what we can perhaps spend our money on. Uh, well, let's make it personal, Chris. What have you? What do you spend money on that makes you happy? Well, I, you know, I'm going through a bit of uh, a crisis of confidence in answering this question. <laughs> I buy lots of CDs. I love music, and I love them, but I don't listen to them all. But they give me well-being from knowing that they're there. The one that I struggle with is books. I love buying books. Um, but I'm not quite sure if that's wise or not. I don't know. What do you think? You're a good reader. Aren't well, you? I do. I love reading books. And, and interestingly, I, I switched to ebooks, which got, got myself Kindle a couple of years ago, started to download ebooks. I went on holiday. It's always easy to take a, you know, a Kindle or other ebooks are available <laughs> <laughs> away with me. Uh, but I've actually gone back to buying books now. Uh, there's something very there's something satisfying. tactile, isn't there? But yeah. I love reading. There's, losing yourself in a book, a really well written book. Is, is absolutely fantastic. So that's something I buy that I know will, will lead to me becoming happy. Um, I've got all the things that I want now. There's not many more things that I need. So I tend to spend it on experiences. So going to see Courtney Pine last night, absolutely brilliant, brilliant night out. Went and had a nice Japanese meal beforehand. Uh, go to the theatre uh, in a couple of days' time to see Long Day's Journey in tonight at Bristol Old Vic. Um, and I know that will make me happy. So I'm finding more and more I used to love a bit of retail therapy. Used to love to go out and buy a load of CDs. Still buy, like to buy some clothes and stuff like that. But more and more, I'm spending it on experiences. That's actually an area in the book that we talk about, retail therapy versus experiences, because retail therapy is a thing. You know, it's, it is true that if we spend money and go out on a splurge, it gives us well-being. But the well-being you get from retail therapy is quite short-lived because that thing that you've bought, once you've looked at it, eaten it, read it, listened to it, whatever it might be, the well-being tails off quite quickly, whereas experiences give memories, which is much longer lasting. So that's a, quite a, I mean, that's, that's, that's a very good example of how to use money to make yourself happier, spending it more on experiences. And in fact, retail therapy can even have a negative effect because if you're in debt and you go out and spend a bit more money on the credit card and go further into debt, then once you get home and realise the silly thing you've done, your well-being goes down, not up. But for me, retail therapy is only something when I do when I know I've got spare money. I've suddenly got unexpected money and I think, oh, oh I'll, go and, I'll go and spend that on buying a nice one well, in the past. It's maybe been a nice hi-fi or something like that. What's that great George Best line? I spent all my money on wine, women and song and I've wasted the rest. <laughs> yes. But actually there's, there's another really, I'm afraid this is really boring of me and this is the financial planner hat coming on here. But if you spend some of that spare money on saving it, stick it into a pension, top up your savings or your ISA, what have you, that actually helps your future get that little bit closer. I'd like to just throw another little challenge here. 
which is owning stuff. Back to this idea of owning stuff, but owning big stuff like houses and cars and things. And it's we're pretty obsessed in this country with owning houses and our house prices. I could just challenge that whole notion of we have to own houses. It's been very important for the last 20 years because house prices have gone up. But we had a client came to see us uh, recently and he had a bit of spare money, an inheritance. And we were asking him what he might like to do with that money. What would he spend it on to make him happy? And he said that he liked art. He and his wife were going to retire and they'd like to start collecting art. And they both like London. So they like going to London, so they're going to buy a flat in London so they can go and stay in. And we just offered a little challenge to him and said, well, why don't you, rather than buy a flat in London, rent a flat in London, or even better, stay in hotels? That way you're not tying your capital up and you can spend it on other things. Likewise, why buy art? Why not go to galleries? In fact, why not go to galleries in other cities around the world to see lots of different art? And the money you've saved from not buying the stuff and having it sitting in your house or an empty flat in London, you can then use to spend on other things that make you happy. So I would just challenge this notion of ownership and having to own capital items. What we need to make ourselves happy is income. And that's what we should focus on. And what did they decide to do on the end? Did they buy the flat? Did they? Well, I have to ask Ian. What did they do, Ian? They didn't buy the flat. Did they not? They didn't buy the flat. They there didn't. we go. Well, there you go. So your advice worked. Interesting, because I was going to talk about one of the other things that makes me happy. I like to collect art. I don't have a massive art collection, but I have got some, some nice pieces that I bought that did cost you know a reasonable amount of money. I get huge pleasure from looking at them on a daily basis. But I have to say, the other pleasure that I draw from that is the knowledge that they are worth considerably more now than they were when I paid for them. Uh, and therefore, if ever you know the wolf did come knocking at the door, I've al always got the option to sell them. And that would also give me pleasure. The price of art can go down as well as up, of course. Mm. Um, I, I suspect you didn't buy the art for that reason. You bought it because you liked the art. Yeah. Um, I'm minded of that line in Educating Rita, where Michael Caine is the professor, um, the lecturer, um, and he's got uh, Julie Walters as Rita, this excitable, um, enthusiastic woman who, who's come to be educated. And she's in her, his room and say, what a fantastic room it is. And she points to that picture and says, that picture's just fantastic. I love that, that painting. And Michael Caine says, do you know, I haven't noticed that picture in 10 years. Mm. And that, that's what happens with art. I mean, mm. yours, if you're still getting well-being from it, that's great. One suggestion that we would make perhaps listeners might want to actually do this get a piece of paper out write down the numbers one to five and write down five things that you have bought in the last i don't know year or two that have cost more than a hundred pounds now that might be a series of things like cds or it might be one item like a gopro mm. having written them down now look at them and say to yourself am i still getting well-being from those items am i still getting joy from those items and in actual fact, there's a very good book which is very popular at the moment called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying by Marie Kondo, which approaches this same principle from the opposite direction. It says, go through your house and look at each item and say, is this still giving me joy? Is it giving you well-being? Hmm. And it also means that once you have done that decluttering, you can look at the new things that you buy with the same eye. Is it going to give me long-term well-being? Am I actually going to get joy from that thing? I was talking with a good friend of mine, Matt Boys, on this subject, and we came up with a very tongue-in-cheek um, idea, but I, th I think there's some truth in this silly um, conversation that we had. The idea of retreasuring, Because we thought, if you get retail therapy from buying something, 
and you get well-being from getting rid of something, there's a circular process there, isn't there? Mm -hmm. So what we should do is buy stuff we like, when we stop enjoying it, sell it on eBay, and then buy it again. <laughs> <laughs> I have a suggestion. One of the other parts in the Financial Wellbeing book about uh, that, that creates well-being is doing something for other people. Helping other people gives us well-being. Another tip that we would give to people on this area of how to spend money specifically, uh, this is a tip given to me by uh, a friend of mine, Phil Tellwright, about children, actually. But I think it works just as well for adults, which is if you see something that you really want, don't walk in and buy it. Wait two weeks. That's a really simple thing. That's great advice because the number of times I've gone, I've gone, oh, I want one of those. That looks that shiny. It's got chrome on it. I'll buy that. And then you bring it home and you've had that fleeting moment of happiness, that fleeting moment of excitement. Does it bring lasting well-being? Not always, actually. So I think that's very good advice. It works especially well with kids. Mm. If your kids, I want that, I want that, I want that, then you just say, if you ask me again in two weeks' time, you can have it. I'm reminded, I, I took my son when he was about... 13, 12, I can't remember, that sort of age, to Paris for the weekend. And we were walking, we went to the, you know, Champs-Élysées, we went to the Eiffel Tower, we went to all these lovely museums, and he was kind of quite interested in all of that. And we went to this shop, and it had in there some uh, listening device, where a classic 12-year-old boy thing, which was some headphones, and it was basically like a spying microphone. So you could point it at somebody who was 100 yards away and hear their conversation. And he said, oh, I want that. And I said, well, you can't. Actually, I quite want that as yes, well. Yes, I know. <laughs> and I, straight away, I was thinking, I don't want him spying on my conversation. So I said, I'm sorry, Nick, but you, you, you can't have it. And he said, no, but I want it. I've got some money. I've got money to spend on it. Um, and uh, I, I want it. And I'm saying, well, I'm actually not going to give you money to buy that. And he said, but it's my money. And I said, well, it's only your money in the sense that it's the allowance I give you, but I'm not going to give you. And we ended up having this huge argument about, about, about it. Um, but in the end, I said, look, when we get back to England, if you still really, really feel, in a, in, I don't think I put a time on it, but I said, look, when we get back, if you still really, really feel that you want that, then we can maybe look at you. And then... He'd forgotten about it, fortunately. So that, that tip works. Yeah. That tip works. So one of the things I'd like to get out of this podcast is I'd really like to get some input from our listeners. And I'd really like to know the things that they buy that give them long-term happiness. And for a bit of fun, I thought it might also be, be fun to ask people, what have they bought that has given them the least amount of happiness? And I'm going to start this one off with a canoe. Uh, shop Costco. Do you ever been to Costco, yes, David? Yes, I have. The yes. most remarkable place, Costco. Unbelievable. You, it, I think it's. Um, I have an advertising slogan for Costco, which is Costco, where even blokes like to shop. Because <laughs> you walk around and go, "Look how cheap that is! I'm going to get three of those." Mm. I bought an impulse canoe at a Costco. Canoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I used to canoe a lot when I was a, when I was a younger teenager. I had my own canoe, and I've always wanted a canoe. The only trouble is I had worked on the assumption that our local reservoir would allow me to use it, but they don't. They don't allow canoes on Blagden Reservoir mm. and Chew Valley Reservoir. So this canoe has sat outside our house for three years. Uh, the only water that's touched its bottom has been rainwater, unfortunately. And I would have to say that the hat has given me precisely zero well-being. <laughs> um, yeah, so at Finn Wellbeing is the Twitter, if you're on Twitter. 
So uh, let us know something that you've spent. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a small thing as well. No, but the big things are more fun than yes. <laughs> OK, so we've talked about retail therapy or retail misery in some cases. Let's, 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 let's broaden it out, if I may, uh, and talk about the way in which we can use money in a more general sense to make us happy and give us a sense of well-being in our lives. OK, I, that really is this know thyself principle again. Um, what we want our lives to look like, let's use money to get that. That could be something very broad, such as what age do we retire? I have to say I don't like the word retirement. We don't tend to use it in our financial planning practice very much because it suggests a gold watch, 35 years of service, and off you go to tend the daffodils. You know, Actually, it's more about financial flexibility. You have enough money to give you the things that you want to do. And it's about creating a plan to one day get to that point. Yeah, if I can just interject briefly, that makes absolute sense to me because I'm a, a freelancer. Uh, you know, I'm 60 now, nearly 61. So, yeah, theoretically, 65, retire. But actually, I'd love to be able to wind down a little bit. But for me, it's not about stopping work at that point or at any point. It's about picking and choosing the things that I do. A lot of people say travel is their thing. Actually, that's very common. Uh, the one thing that I'd like to do more of when I have the financial flexibility is to is travel. Um, and you're right, it's it's sitting reading a book in a foreign place, but then it's going to another foreign place to read another book, isn't that's it? That's right, <laughs> or reading the book on the plane. You know, the book it is all the involves link. a book, doesn't it? Yes, it does. No, is it the financial us... well-being book that you're reading? <laughs> well, exactly, the financial well-being book, <laughs> which will tell you where that's available and how you can get hold of it at the end of the podcast. There was um, an interesting... I've been doing, as I said earlier... I've, sorry, I'll start with that again. I took my dog for a walk this morning, Chris, around the lake, the local lake, and the daffodils were out, the sun was shining, the birds were singing, they were running around the hedgerows, flipping around the hedgerows, gathering material to make their nests. And as I always do at this time of year, it's mid-March as we're recording this, I always have that huge feeling of, of joy at, at the impending arrival of spring. And no matter how much money I've got, that's never going to buy me that little frisson of happiness that I had this morning. What might be good is if you were able to do that in Morocco, for yeah. example. In addition, I'm not instead of. So I don't want us to suggest in, this, in these podcasts that money doesn't buy happiness. Having a good financial plan, that clear path to identifiable objectives that we've talked about in other podcasts, that can give well-being and sometimes we need money we've got to put money away we're not advocating go out and spend all your money here no, are but we? the point the point that i was about to make around that was that i'd actually chosen to take a day off work today because i was doing this podcast but one or two other things i've got to do therefore i'd used my money to clear some time to make sure that i was able to have that experience i wasn't sitting at my desk just working and on that happy note chris i think we shall stop chatting now it's been a joy as ever to sit down and talk to you about financial well-being and all the things that uh, we've discussed. Uh, I know that we've got uh, some other exciting podcasts coming up. So please, at home, if you've enjoyed this one, subscribe to the podcast, keep coming back, tune in again, tweet us at FinWellBeing, and uh, we'll catch you next time for the next Financial Wellbeing Podcast. Thank you, David. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast,
and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.finwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial wellbeing. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at David underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. So I went to the bank to see what they could do. They said, son, looks like bad luck, gotta hold on you.